What happened at the fruit salad race? The oranges peeled out, the bananas split, and the cherries went to the pits. You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease. It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio. Now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medical practitioner who keeps the alternative medicine assholes at bay. Hello, Dr. Scott. Uh-oh. Why is your mic off? Oh, try that again. Hey, Dr. Steve. And she who will do most anything for a glass of expensive wine, it's Lady Diagnosis, everybody. Hello, Dr. Steve. And Dr. Smith and Major Pornstash are visiting the waiting room today. Hello, Dr. Smith and Major Pornstash. Hey, Dr. Steve. Hello, Dr. Steve. This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you've got a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call. 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. If you're listening to us live, the number is 754-227-3647. That's 754-22-PENIS. Or 754-BEAR-NIP, which is my favorite. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine, Lady Diagnosis, or Dr. Scott WM. Visit our website at weirdmedicine.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy, or go to our merchandise store. That's cafepress.com slash weirdmedicine. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, or whatever. So anyway, last time I saw Dr. Smith... I was not in full control of my faculties. It was, um, uh, we were at um, uh, P.A. John's Brewery, J.R.H. Brewing, in a town called Johnson City, Tennessee. And um, he had a new beer called Imperial Hop Drop. And Imperial Hop Drop um, was very tasty. It was an IPA. I'm not a big fan of IPAs, but it was, it was really good. It's one of the best beers he's ever made. But he was giving it out in these little chintzy 10-ounce glasses. It was like, why are you being such a, a, you know, a tightwad with the beer? I thought maybe they didn't make a lot or something. <laughs> but, and we were having fun. Uh, uh, Dr. Scott was there and his girlfriend, and uh, I don't even remember who else was there. Um, Your wife. Well, yeah, well, I, remember, <laughs> I remember that. P.A. Jill. And, um, uh, yeah, P.A. Jill and P.A. John were there. And then uh, uh, Dr. Smith came over. and um, She was only like an hour and 45 minutes late. Right. She showed up just as we were leaving. Which is the this, problem. This was this is, she, It's her fault. You're, you I'm blaming it on her. You know what? I, you know what? Yeah. In my defense, I went to the wrong brewery. The wrong J.R.H. brewery. Yes. 
Apparently, there is another one. You know, there is. Because <laughs> I, I could see what was coming down the road. Yeah, and so we were getting out of there. And I was trying to get him out of there, and then you oh, showed up. Oh, yes, I did. Like, it I, is, this is true. He's like, so it's all, we'll blame it on her. We were leaving, and I was fine. Yes. And then he was, he was on this way. Dr. Smith shows up, and it's like, oh, well, we need to have fun with Dr. Smith. Let's give another beer. And it was that fifth beer that I had that sent me to the moon. And uh, I was so, you know, and it's like, I've been drinking a long time. I can handle my alcohol pretty well. I couldn't understand why. Not that night. All no. of a sudden, I'm talking slow, trying to enunciate and and then i was hugging everybody and telling them i loved them and i hugged dr scott's girlfriend and kissed her on the cheek told her i loved her i hugged dr smith and kissed her on the cheek told her i loved her and i was you know at least i'm a happy drop yes. yeah that's you know? true and uh we came back to the house and apparently dr scott and i played music mm-hmm. and i kind of vaguely remember that i don't know how in the world i could have Played, fumbled through, fumbled. Yeah, yes, I had was... to be terrible. <laughs> and uh, uh, I do remember I was bending over to pick up my bass, and I just kept going. <laughs> and Scott grabbed my my belt and, and held me up to keep me from smashing. You know, doing a face plant. Yes. So I called stupid PA John the next day, and I said, "What was the ABV? Um, you know, the alcohol by volume of this beer? It was nine. So a regular beer is three point two. So it was like." I drank five of those, so it's like drinking 15 beers. And 9% is just under what most wine is. Mm-hmm. So it was like I drank 10 glasses of wine. And that now, lady diagnosis, now she that'd can be nothing. Two point three bottles. That'd be nothing. That'd be nothing for her. <laughs> she just starts loosening up about that time, don't you? Does, does, does Tennessee have a three-two beer? Also, I know that's an Oklahoma thing. What's that? Does Tennessee have three-two beer? I know they have that in Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. 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 Uh, the, the regular. What's three-two beer? The regular Pilsner is three point two, right? Oh, okay. three point two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, Bible Belt beer. Oh yeah. Why bother? <laughs> well, oh, we, sorry. We, we, we call it piss water. <laughs> yeah. The brewers will call it beer flavored water. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, you know, on a real cold day after you've mowed the lawn, of course, I pay somebody to do mine. But you know, something analogous. After you pay the lawn guy. Right, after you pay the lawn guy. <laughs> um, then you have your light. And then you're hot and sweaty <laughs> from watching somebody mow your lawn. Then you know, a nice cold 3.2 beer can't be beat, really. You know, doesn't get you too wasted. You get a little bit of that afternoon buzz. Do you guys notice that if you drink in the afternoon, that you get a different buzz than you do? Do you notice that too, uh, Major Porn Stash? I mean, you're nodding your head. Are you just being agreeable? No, no. I I can either drink during the night or I can drink during the day, but I can't Can't do both. Can't do both. Right, right, right. And if I and, if, and if I ever lose the buzz, it's gone. It's gone for the day. Isn't that weird? I hate that. Or you just get hammered. You know, if you really put it to That's you usually gotta, what I do. You got to keep it going. Yeah. For me, I like that better because by 9 p.m., I'm hungover and I wake up okay. Yeah. You know, right, versus right, right. like oh. waking up hungover and ruining your whole day. I agree. Hmm. The um, oh, I, I did not wake up with a hangover the next day because my wife, before I went to bed or before I passed out, whatever, um, <laughs> she gave me uh, some ibuprofen and I found that really helps. Lots, lots of water and ibuprofen before bed, and then you wake up. and I, I'm always tired, but I don't have that horrible, horrible hangover. So that implies to me that there's some inflammatory component to the hangover. You know, mm-hmm. no one's ever really pinpointed it, but but anyway, um, uh, yeah. So that was fun. Anyway, 
So we have to do it again. <laughs> I'm going to join you next yes. time. Mm-hmm. Yes. And next, but, time, you know, next time when you get the Dr. You, Smith is my research assistant. And for me to just be, you know, <laughs> <laughs> drooling from the mouth. You know? yeah, that's, that's, that's better than your, that's better than your buddies, girlfriends. And well, uh, yeah, I mean, all right. They all whatever. seem to enjoy it. I, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, yeah no. so you're insane. Hey, but the best part was Dr. Steve dancing. No, he was dancing, telling the story, and he kept slinging his beer, and he's dancing. <laughs> dancing? Oh, yeah. You were telling You were, you were, you were hopping back and forth. Oh, my God. Yelling and screaming, like yelling, oh, yeah. and I'm pretty what? sure there's lots yes. of curse words coming out. Too. Shut up. I yeah. was not. Now, this I Like when remember. we went to Owl, remember? You did the same thing. Well, now, at the, okay, at the <laughs> You were owl. on the table screaming profanity. Remember at, dancing? At the band. Do you remember that? Yes, of course I remember okay. that. That's not the exact. That's nothing like the same thing. You're at a band. You know, you're watching a band. Of course, you're going to get up on the table and and yell mm. "mf" as loud as you fucking can. Mm-hmm. You were the only one. Just so you know, <laughs> I was not the only one on the table. I was the only one in our group. He, he was. He was, very he, was he was. He was. He was. He was. do some body surfing. I think. <laughs> some crowd surfing. <laughs> Um, no, it was a great time. You know, John makes a couple good beers. Yeah, he that, really does. That He's one was really, really good, but damn, it's strong. Yeah. So anyway, nobody wants to hear my dumb drunk stories. So anyway, hey, check out stuff.drsteve.com. Stuff.drsteve.com. Please uh, go there and uh, uh, look at all the different things that we have there, or you can just click through and go straight to Amazon. Uh, most of the things that we talk about on this show that you can buy uh, show up on stuff.drsteve.com. And we've got a question coming up uh, where I specifically put something on there for that person. Uh, don't forget tweakedaudio.com, offer code FLUID. They are a Tennessee company. I didn't know that uh, until recently. Um, and they make the best earbuds for the price on the market. And if you use offer code FLUID, F-L-U-I-D, you'll get 33% off your purchase, which is like buying three things for the price of two, basically. And uh, don't forget Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net where you can get his fantastic uh, nasal rinse. And what else you got on there these days? You right now, the- it's just the, it's, it's the, just those three things, the nasal spray and the, um, the stressless and fatigue reprieve. Okay, you don't have that um, uh, allergy thing that you gave me? No, no, but I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. Yeah, that xanthium formula I gave you is the best. It really works. Allergy medicine I've ever seen. That's it doesn't a, have all the side effects. I think Dr. Smith would like to sample some of that. Oh yeah. Oh really? I've got she, some. She's, she's been suffering. I've been overdosing on uh, over-the-counter stuff. Well, oh, I'll it, fix it. Yeah, and that's easy to do too. Yeah. And um, we could talk a little bit about seasonal rhinitis if you want to. Sure. Uh, what have you been taking, Dr. Smith? Uh, Zyrtec, Cetirizine. Yep. Cetirizine. Mm-hmm. It's taking- a non-drowsy antihistamine. Works pretty well. It's good for runny nose, doesn't do much for stuffy nose, and does nothing for the inflammation in your nose. So, um, you know, when you inhale these allergens, you know, it sets up this sort of inflammatory cascade that results in uh, dilation of the uh, capillaries in the tissues of the nose, which causes nasal congestion. The tissues start to, to swell and uh, then it makes it hard to get air through the nasal cavity, and you get nasal congestion. And then there's also histamine release, so you get runny nose. You get this sort of real thin, uh, hyperfiltrated um, uh, plasma that that we just call, you know, snot. And um, 
And those two things are really uh, difficult to deal with. And, and these medications that they have on the market either have too much crap in them or they don't have enough. So if you got one of these combinations like, um, I don't know, Tylenol, cold, and fl- I, I, I don't even know. I, I'm just making that up. I, I don't even know if there is such a thing. But uh, they'll have uh, phenylpropanolamine in it, which is a decongestant, and they'll have... Um, a cough suppressant and they'll have Tylenol and they'll have all these other things and they're in these fixed combinations. Well, what if you don't have a fever? You don't need the Tylenol. Uh, or if you don't have a cough, you don't need the cough suppressant. So I like splitting out all of these um, different um, uh, symptoms and treating them separately. It's more expensive, but you'll be more successful. So uh, for runny nose, just exactly as you said, a non-drowsy antihistamine, uh, is great. You can take Benadryl, but if you got a if you're a male and you got a big prostate, it'll make it difficult for you to urinate, or you may even get bladder outflow obstruction. Sure. It may probably make you sleepy, which is maybe you take it at night. It, it, that would be a benefit to you. But also can cause restless legs. Oh yeah, well, all these anticholinergic, it's what we call an anticholinergic medication. Those are things that um, that make your mouth dry. Right. And uh, um, and dry out your nose and stuff. All these anticholinergic medications can be a problem for elderly people. Can send them into to the moon. It can make dementia worse. All kinds of things. So, uh, uh, so I like the non drowsy um, uh, allergy medications for runny nose, like cetirizine or Zyrtec. Um, fexofenadine is Allegra. And then uh, loratadine is Claritin. Those are the three big ones. And so any of those are okay. And uh, uh, then for stuffy nose, it's a little more uh, difficult because the medications that you use for stuffy nose have some adverse effects. So you can use Afrin, which is a nasal spray. Uh, It has oxymetazoline in it. You'll get 12 hours of free congestion-free breathing out of it. But if you use it more than a few days, you'll become habituated to it. Mm-hmm. Because as it wears off, those capillaries, which have been um, uh, have been constricted for 12 hours, now go, ah, and they let go. And they'll, they will over-dilate, um, and now it makes the nasal congestion even worse. And so now you've got to spray again. And then you get that constriction. Well, this time maybe it only lasts 11 hours, and then 10. And then the next thing you know, you're like my ex-wife, who had to buy three or four of these bottles a mm-hmm. week and was spraying her nose every 15 minutes, mm. you know, running around just, and, and then wondering why she has high blood pressure and stuff, you know? Yes. So, uh, so, but, so what's the alternative? You can use Sudafed. Of course, you have to sign your life away to buy Sudafed anymore. If you buy more than a couple of boxes, they think you're a meth dealer, you know, mm-hmm. that's going to make meth out of it. But it works really well, except it causes severe uh, erectile dysfunction, which I found Good out. Good thing I don't have to worry about that. Well, that's right. right, that's now, right. Yes, for, for the dudes out there, it's a problem. And it can also make you really prickly, too. And um, uh oh, here we go. In other words, there's a lot of side effects to all those things. Yeah. Um, thank you. It's, I'm, on, I'm on call. So, uh, we, uh, uh, so and, and now there's another one called phenylpropanolamine that sort of works the same way as Sudafed. It kind of skirts the. the the middle distance and a lot of the uh, things that have a D after them now no longer have Sudafed in them. They've got phenylpropanolamine in them. So, uh, so that's for nasal congestion and nasal um, uh, runny nose. Mm -hmm. Now um, if you have cough, 
We would like an expectorant, something to loosen the mucus so that you have a more productive cough. So you use Mucinex for that. But, you know, you only want to cough when you really have to. So a cough suppressant would be nice. So they make this stuff called Mucinex DM. It's guaifenesin and dextromethorphan. And uh, that's, a, that's a nice fixed combination that I don't mind for a cough. And uh, um, if you have aches and pains, then ibuprofen or Tylenol, depending on uh, your preference, really. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're at risk for, uh, if you're binge drinking, don't take Tylenol. And uh, the last thing is, um, uh, the, the problem, of course, is nasal inflammation, right? So you can now buy Flonase over the counter. It used to be, Flonase is a, is a topical steroid for the nose. You spray it up your nose and it decreases inflammation. I've tried it. I had better results. This is just me. Had better results with Nasacort, uh, which is another nasal steroid that you can buy over the counter. Now, that's sort of the allopathic over-the-counter approach to seasonal rhinitis. If you, if you get this every year and it's just horrendous, then you know, getting, uh, going to an immunologist and getting desensitized to the allergens that you're allergic to can really help. Since I did that, it's decreased my symptoms by about 90%. I still have some. Oh, wow. But it really helped. And uh, and then Dr. Scott's got some stuff mm-hmm. from uh, the uh, traditional Chinese medicine standpoint. So why don't you wax eloquent about that for a second? Well, we have a couple things that a couple old Chinese formulas that work extremely well with that don't tend to have all the side effects that a lot of the over-the-counter medicines have. And the one that I use the most is called Xanthium Nasal Formula. And as long as you can find somebody that's that's certified in Oriental medicine, they can they should have that in their offices. Um, it's got xanthium fruit. It's got some angelica root. It's got some menthol, but it's a wonderful alternative, especially for men, because I don't like, you know, especially young young males taking a whole lot of allergy medications. Because if they start having prostate problems early, you know, I don't know that that's going to be a good thing for their their long term overall health. And you know, a lot of, a lot of people don't realize just going into a pharmacy and buying an over-the-counter medicine may be causing them some problems. Right. The, other, the other thing is... Dr. Oh, they're real medicines. Most of those things used to be prescription strength sure. only. Sure, sure. Um, it, but they, but just like... And, and you know, so certainly my stuff has some side effects too, potentially, if you took too much of it. But the other thing was the nasal spray. And the importance of the nasal spray, especially right now, you know, we all, where we live, all of our cars are now the same color. You know, they're all yellow. Um, the importance of washing that out of your sinuses, decreasing the inflammation and the histaminic response. Oh, yeah. Inside Thank you for mentioning that. It's huge. Yeah. You need to wash it out and blow it out. And then there's not such a huge battle going on. Then you don't need all the, the as, as much of the medications. Um, so, you know, and, and people try the neti pots. And real quick, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I want to say one quick thing about neti pots. I like the neti pots. The problem is most people pour too much water into the nose and just goes up in the nose and comes right back out. Well, um, it only works if you if it goes in one nostril and comes out the other one, right? Yeah. Isn't that the way you want to do it? Yes, allegedly. So. I'm gonna, yeah, <sighs> get you a good get you a good get you a good tooth there. But you know, the key is getting getting as much of that sinus spray up through your head and into the even the posterior sinuses, and then a good blow out of your yeah. Typical allopathic doctor. I'm trying to throw pills at this when, mm-hmm. it, in fact, yes, washing if if you can wash the allergens out in the first place, you don't have to take all these right. damn pills, or at least not as much, or as at many. least not as much. Right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's, so there's a lot of great options. Have you seen that new thing? Have you seen it on TV where it's a me- mechanized sort of neti pot? Oh, and, I've seen that. And you stick it in your nose, and it shoots the water in one and sucks mm-hmm. it out the other one. Whoa. 
I want to try that. That's kind of like a high colonic for your sinus. Yes. Let's get one and just mm. try it and see how I'll horrible it. it is. Will you do it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Which Remind one? me between Monica. the shows, I'll. <laughs> Either one. Either one. It doesn't the matter. The high colonic. <laughs> we'll just try it. We'll try them both. See which one we like better. Remind me uh, between shows, I'll go ahead and order one and we'll have it for next time. Okay. Because I really do want to try mm-hmm. this and we got to videotape it too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. All right. Um, Here's one. How about how about and Dr. Smith? You are a doctor. You can Hi, chime in on e. any of this, this stuff. Is Joe, the follow panel. Uh, you spoke a while ago about the Opana, and you answered my questions about that. I'm listening now to your chicken pox story and vaccination. Just want to share with me with you this chicken pox story I had. Is I never had chicken pox. About three years ago, my doctor said, "You know what? You never had it. How about we give you the uh, vaccination?" Well, I take the vaccination. A little while later, I come down with chicken pox. She said she's never heard of that in her entire career. Someone, an adult, getting the chicken pox from the vaccination. Well, I did. And about three months later, she said that she's another patient of hers, same thing. Got the vaccination as an adult. And that's chicken pox. Just wanted to share. Thank you very much. Talk to you later. Yeah, man. Okay. That sucks. Yeah, it does suck. So the chicken pox vaccine is a live attenuated virus. And just like the influenza, there's an influenza vaccine that's live attenuated virus, which is called flu mist. We haven't had it the last two years. But um, you actually, uh, um, you know, it's an infectious particle and you get great immune response to it. And it uh, often will be permanent as well, uh, as unlike just using some sort of antigen from the uh from the virus, those those um, vaccines tend to wear off, and you need um, uh, you know boosters. But so the uh, um, so this guy got a live attenuated vaccine, which he was not in the group that it's indicated for, and uh, got chickenpox. Now I'm assuming because he didn't say he ended up in the hospital that he had a very mild case, which is usually the case from these. If you do get the disease from the vaccine, it's going to be a mild one. And um, uh, when kids, well, okay, so uh, I looked it up. 1% of people who get the vaccine get a a mild form of chickenpox from the vaccine. So uh, this doctor, I, you know, I, all you have to do is, I mean, it took me 30 seconds to look that mm-hmm. up. How about looking it up instead of just, well, I don't know. I ain't never heard of it. Couldn't have been, couldn't have been me. He's a freak. Just look it up. <laughs> right. Jeez. And, so, and then you can reassure your patient. Hey, yeah, 1% of people have this. You're, you know, unlucky lottery. Go buy a lottery ticket. And, um. You know, when you have a, a kid that gets shingles, for example, you worry that they've got some sort of immune uh, d- dysfunction. It could be mild, and a lot of kids even seem to grow out of that. Where they, you know, you get that kid that gets a cold every every month, uh, their whole life. It doesn't wear off after preschool. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, every once in a while, you'll get one of those kids will get shingles, and sometimes it just happens, and other times it it, it can be a red flag. Uh, in his case, I, I don't know that it's anything other than just one in a hundred sucks to be you kind of thing, you know. But um, what other live attenuated vaccines do we have? I know we've got the flu, and uh, I'm I'm, I'm uh, drawing a blank. Oh, one of the smallpox, tetanus. It, it's not really common to get 
but oh, in, hmm. in, I don't know if it. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I, I I used to have a friend that was a virologist and he was a vaccine expert. I wish he was around right now. What were you going to say, Doctor Smith? It doesn't matter. Certain populations are still getting that vaccine, right? What smallpox vaccine? Why? Oh, really? We- weaponized. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, yeah. Because there's there hasn't been a case on this earth of yeah. smallpox, but there are live smallpox um, particles in freezers in laboratories around the world. So yeah. one's unaccounted for. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, is that right? Yeah, that, that's why everyone needs it. Okay. In, in certain populations. Yeah. Okay. And thank you for your service, by the way. Oh, we, no we do appreciate. You can't say anything more about what he does, but. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's has to do with poles, maybe. <laughs> <coughs> poles, poles, porn Men can poles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, very good. So, yeah, I just stumped myself on that one, but I do know that. Oh, uh, one of the vaccines that was live attenuated was the original shingles vaccine. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you had HIV or some other immune deficiency or if you were a transplant patient, all the people who should be getting a shingles vaccine couldn't get it. And uh, the new uh, shingles vaccine, uh, Shingrix, which I find for some reason hard to say, uh, uh, is a killed vaccine. So you can't it, now you can get the shingles vaccine if you are immunocompromised. So, Do you recommend everyone get that? Yeah, everybody over 50. Shingles. Yep. Mm-hmm. It has a lot better, after 10 years, most people are still immune. Yeah, which is before. weird. Yeah. yeah it's, which is, it's weird. The other one was live attenuated. It wasn't as good yeah. of a vaccine. Yeah, people weren't mounting as good a res- response, but they're doing better with this vaccine. Right. And, like, and it has a more vigorous immune response, mm-hmm. so people will feel worse after it, too. You may feel like you've... You got the flu or aches and pains, stuff like that. It lasts a day or two, and then you don't get shingles. The thing about shingles, you get it in your eye, and you're going to wish that you'd gotten that vaccine. But you have to be 50? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that you, Dr. Scott can look it up. Who should get the shingles vaccine? And uh, it's, I believe it's people over 50. Mm-hmm. All right. And even if you already had the other vaccine, mm-hmm. if you already had Zostavax, is that the right one? No. Vera, Veravax, whatever it was, the original shingles vaccine. Uh, they say even if you had that, you should get this vaccine too. All right. Hey, I was wondering about organ donation. I, I heard a rumor that if you have your credit card or your uh, driver's license marked that you want to be an organ donor and you happen to die, something tragic, but some organs can be saved that the only organs they're going to save are the major organs, your lungs, your heart, your kidneys, your liver, whatever, all that stuff. But for your things like eyes or your penis or your, penis. you know, some of the, the smaller things in your body, is it true that you actually have to specifically either leave a note mm. saying you want to donate those two or that your family has to allow it? Or when you die... And we'll organ donation will the hospital kind of make the judgment call and say, hey, look, this guy's got good eyes, so let's use that too. Or this man's penis is beautiful, so let's use that. <laughs> uh, how did they decide that kind of stuff? That's what I wondered. Thank you. you. Just a side note. He did put penis in the small organ. Small I, did, category, I did notice that. I don't that. think mm-hmm. most men would do that. You know? <laughs> Maybe he's wanting to donate it now. <laughs> um. Yeah, organ donation is an awesome thing. And just go to organdonor.gov and sign up. 
and just do it. What do you care what they do with you after you're gone? And one of the myths is, well, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll make you brain dead just to get organs. It's bullshit. <laughs> the, you know, every uh, state will have a, you know, a donor services that will come in. And uh, what they really do like, though, are people, well, not like is not the right word, but uh, the, the people that can get the most organs out of are people who are clinically brain dead. And so, well, what is brain death? That's when the, the, uh, uh, the patient is deceased but still on, on life support. So the ventilator is breathing for them and their heart's still beating, but there's, uh, their brain is uh, irrecoverably uh, dead. And, uh, you know, in the old days, think about this, Dr. Smith, um, we used to say uh, we define death as cessation of breathing. So like in Hippocrates' day, when the person stopped breathing, they were dead. And then we developed, what, the mechanical ventilator. Mm -hmm. So now you stop breathing, you're not dead. So then they said, uh, okay, well, it's when people's hearts stopped, they're dead. And then we developed, you know, advanced cardiac life support. And now you can't really say just your heart stopping, you're dead, because we can shock them, do chest compressions, and put them on life support, and about 15% of people will survive that. So just that alone can't be the definition of death. So now the, the definition that we use is when there's cessation of brain activity, not just brain function, but brain activity. So, uh, uh, you know, you have, you have to have lost all of your so what we call brainstem reflexes, that, you know, you touch their corneas. They don't blink, they don't cough, they don't gag, all of that stuff. There's no respiratory um, uh, effort, and we do a thing called an apnea test to see if the person truly uh, is brain dead but it, because, you know, the, the drive to breathe is pretty strong. So you rule out all, you know, that they're sedated medically. you got to remove all of those confounding factors. And then if they don't breathe on their own and they have no brainstem function, then you can declare that uh, they appear to be brain dead. And then you have to confirm that. So you can do that a bunch of different ways. You can do an EEG, which is a brainwave study. And if it's flatline, then you've confirmed that the loss of brainstem function is permanent. Or you can do a cerebral brain flow study, which they really like to do those in the hospital. Uh, and it just shows that there's no blood flow going to the brain anymore. If there's no blood flow to the brain, the brain's dead. And that shows that uh, brain death is permanent or, you know, the loss of brainstem function. And um, uh, the other thing you can do is just repeat the apnea test 24 hours later. If you've got two apnea tests 24 hours apart, you can declare the person deceased. So uh, this protocol is violated all the time in all over the world, and that's why you have people that are declared brain dead and then they wake up. Well, they didn't do it right. You know, if you if you do a a, a complete brain death determination, uh, the odds that you're going to be wrong is as close to zero as it can possibly be. But anyway, so if you uh, are dead but on the ventilator, then. Uh, the donor services can come and they can uh, harvest a bunch of stuff. So living, and those are called living organ donors. Uh, they can, uh, um, uh, I'm sorry, that's not right. Those are deceased organ donors. And they can uh, donate two kidneys, a liver, two lungs, a heart, a pancreas, and even intestines. Uh, they've even, in 2014, they added hands and faces hmm. to the organ transplant Ew. list. No, no penises, yep. though? And I do not see penis on here. Let me, let's look, though, because I'm at organdonor.gov. Corneas, 
you can leave behind uh, corneas if uh, you know that's that's the outer layer of the eye. And I have a, a uh, I know someone that had a corneal transplant, and it was a real gift to them because they were blind before that or going blind. Okay, so as far as tissues are concerned, let's see if penis is on here. Heart valves, skin. Now, you don't transplant skin thinking it's going to be permanent. What they'll do, and, and they don't skin you either. You get this idea that you're just going to be muscles and mm-hmm. skeleton and stuff when they skin you. What they do is they take a couple of layers of skin off of your back and with this thing if I remember, called a dermatome. No, what was it called? I participated in one of these one time when I was uh, in medical school, but it's it's like a cheese cutter, it's like a sod cutter, like a like yeah, kind of like a sod cutter, yeah. Uh, yeah, or or like a cheese cutter sort yeah. of thing, and you run it along the back, and you get these strips of skin, and what you can do is you can use that as a bandage for people in burn units. <laughs> That's really what it's for. Yep. Um, uh, bone tendons, uh, and it says most people can be tissue donors when they die. Uh, the local tissue bank will be notified by a hospital, medical examiner, funeral home. So if they can't get live organs out of you because you're not brain dead, there's still stuff they can get. And it says here 30,000 donors every year provide life-saving and life-enhancing tissue. Now, wait a minute now. How many people die in this country every year? Can look that up, Dr. Scott. Well, let's ask Alexa, see if she knows. Alexa, how many people die in the United States every year? See if she knows. Sorry, I'm not sure. Ugh, of course. Um, find out the, how many people die in the United States every year, Dr. Scott. Come on. Porn, st- porn Stash's dad is a living donor. He donated his kidney to a stranger. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's talk yeah. about living donors. You can donate one kidney, one lung, or a portion of the liver, pancreas, or intestine. Yeah, and, and the organization that he did it through actually set off a, the anonymous donation sets off a chain reaction that allows, I think... A, in his chain where there are seven other people to get a new kidney. Oh, is that because right? Because they matched, like, say, oh. somebody in your family needs a kidney, but and you want to donate a kidney, but you're not a match because it's very specific. Right. Well, the anonymous, anonymous one means that guy gets a kid, kidney, and somebody else has already offered to give his kidney if... If somebody he, else does, he, yeah. If he re- receives one, so he matches with another guy. Now those two people match with another guy, and, and it keeps going and going. I, I think the biggest chain has been like 26 people. Is that right? Off of one anonymous donation. Wow. So I would do that. Yeah, it's, it, it was pretty, really interesting. Tissue donations got to be initiated within 24 hours of death. And I, uh, to this person's question, I'm not aware that putting organ donor on your driver's license means you're only going to be a, um, a, a, an organ donor. It seems to me that uh, that also implies that they can get tissue and corneas as well. And, and I did just, I, I didn't read the article, but I saw a headline that said they had their the first penis transplant or something like that. You might be able to Google it and see if anything mm-hmm. pops up. Um, it had something to do with a, a veteran that had some sort of battle wound or something, but he had a, I believe he had a penis transplant. I remember that. I remember that as well. Let's yeah. look it up. Hey, let's hey while, you're, while you're looking it yeah, up, go ahead. Yeah. while you're looking it up, we got 2.5 million in the United States die annually and about 6,700 a day. Okay, so 2.5 million die. Correct. Alexa, what's 30,000 divided by 2.5 million? 30,000 divided by 2,500,000 equals 0.01. So it's 0.1% of people are organ donors. Come on, people. You can do better than that. That's ridiculous. 30,000 out of 2 point some million. 
are organ donors. Speaking of... So go to uh, organdonor.gov and just register. That's all you got to do. Yeah, go ahead. Penis Ooh, yeah. transplants Ooh, yeah. or whatever. Speaking um, of penis. <laughs> no, this is a, a ra- another physician told me, this physician's tie, and where all the surgeries came to reconnect or do that came from Thailand mm-hmm. because they have such a culture of, like, the wife gets mad and she, like, just cuts off his penis and... Really? Yeah, it's hmm. they're like le- in the lead for kind of penis reconstructive surgeries. Nice. Really? Yeah. Seems extreme. Yeah. Not really. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess we just don't do it enough here. I guess. That's but they're a cheating husband, you know. Here we go. That's the world's first successful total penis and scrotum transplant was completed at Johns Hopkins Hospital on March 26th. Now, uh, you look at this. Here's all these people. Can you guys see this picture? I know a lady diagnosis you can't. Here's this whole team of people, and here's this poor slob laying on the. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Yeah, just laying there with his. Uh, maybe that's a maybe that's a, a a model or something. But you know, he's got a, um, a hospital gown on. Looks like he's completely asleep, and here they are just standing all around him, getting their picture taken. That seems inappropriate. But uh, the procedure lasted. HIPAA. Four- you can't yeah, see who it no is. Kidding. Right? Yeah, you can't Sorry, see that's who a it HIPAA is. Violation. No, it's just the legs. I recognize oh. his feet. Mm-hmm. The procedure lasted 14 hours, involved nine plastic surgeons, two urologic surgeons, and a team of anesthesiologists, nurses, and surgical technicians, according to the release. Hmm. The transplant recipient, who wished to remain anonymous, is a young U.S. serviceman who sustained injuries to his lower pelvis, lower abdominal wall, and lower extremities in an improvised explosive device blast <coughs> while serving in Afghanistan. Yeah, um, let's see if they... So, um, yeah, absolutely worth putting all those resources if this guy can get an erection and, uh, and you know, and uh, beat his meat again. <laughs> All that for just sex. No, yeah, yes. You know what? He was willing. He could have been a monk. He was. He yeah. was willing to put himself out there. Mm-hmm. A priest. And, a priest. And got There's so many other options. hammered by an IED in the service of his country. Mm-hmm. That's the least we could do is try to give him another penis. So let's see here. I'm just looking to see if it's if they think it's going to be functional because what you got to right. do. That was my question: Is it going to be one of the ones that you have to press a button for, or is it going to be like somehow connected? Yeah, where he has feeling. No, I think okay. So this transplant this is an example of um, a type of procedure called vascularized composite allotransplantation. Uh, transplantation, and uh, it refers to the transplantation of multiple types of tissue such as skin, muscle, and bone. And uh, often refers to the transplantation of body parts such as arms, hands, feet, and now genitals. And, um, yeah, these life-changing VCA transplants can only occur when a donor family looks past their grief and gives to someone in need. No kidding. Hey, can we have your husband's penis? Because uh, he's brain dead and uh, we have somebody that needs one. That would be a rough uh, conversation to have. But I was just looking to see if they... Well, if uh, someone's getting use. Because he would... Yeah, sure. Um, you would have to you would have to um, get all the tissues connected together, including vascular stuff, you know, the, the uh, uh, blood vessels, nerves. All of that stuff's got to be hooked up properly for it to uh, be functional. So God bless this guy. I hope it works. Yeah. All right. I've got a couple phone calls. Let's take them and then we'll... Uh-oh, somebody's at my door. Goodness gracious. Let me go get it. No. Okay. Area code 307, you're on Weird Medicine. 
Hey there, Dr. Steve. Hey, man. Uh, I have a... How's it going? Hey, uh, good. I have a sauna in my home. Okay. And uh, we, get in, we get in it, and you know, we get it up to about 200 degrees. Well, 200 degrees at, at, uh, at least at six and a half feet off the floor. You know, it's cooler down low, but, you know, when we're sitting on the benches, our head, our head is up at around 200 degrees. Okay. We, uh, we hang out in the sauna for about 15 minutes, and then we run outside, and we get into a 150-gallon tank that has water that's uh, uh, 45 degrees. So we do a cold plunge yep. and hang out, hang out in that for, uh, uh, well, it depends on... Depends on the person. Uh, sometimes people just jump in and then jump out. Uh, others will hang out in that for uh, a minute or more. And uh, then throughout throughout the process, we'll do that two or three more times. Uh, so um, my question is, uh, I've been warned that uh, I'm 50 years old. Yep. And uh, I, I've been warned that uh, I need to watch out that if I had an arrhythmia and were in the cold plunge, that that would be a bad uh a bad thing and uh and then the other question i have is uh, uh alcohol use while in the sauna right um uh, uh i mean there's there's when, when i see warnings about it uh, it's often referring to you know stumbling around and falling into the sauna heater. right and then uh, passing I would, out I, 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 <laughs> but i'm more curious on how it actually uh the alcohol and the high heat would uh, Right. Okay. Well, a lot of the uh, information that we have about sauna safety comes from Finland because they love saunas in Finland. And, I, you know, if I lived in Finland, I'd probably spend a lot of time in the sauna as well because, you know, they're, uh, it's dark half of the year and it's cold as shit. And uh, speaking of cold as shit, have you guys watched the, uh, the are you watching that show The Terror on AMC? No. It's about um, uh, Arctic explorers that get trapped in the Arctic Circle, and they get stalked by a um, uh, by this polar bear, and they're there for three years. Yeah, and they couldn't get out. It was back in the 1800s. It's crazy. So anyway, it's uh, um, cold and dark. Day in, day out uh, uh, would drive me crazy. So, yeah, I would invest in a sauna. They did um, a study of um, uh, over 16 months, looked at about 100 heart attacks a month, and they found only of all of those, one less than 2% of those developed within three hours of taking a sauna. And uh, they looked at uh, about 6,000 sudden deaths in a year, and only 1.7% occurred within 24 hours of taking a sauna. And many of those, though, were related to alcohol. So these people were wasted and doing the sauna. And um, uh, they looked at, um, uh, Canadian researchers looked at 16 people with well-documented heart disease, and they looked at 15-minute sauna with a standard treadmill test. And none of the patients developed chest pain, abnormal heart rhythm, or EKG changes. Now, they didn't do the cold plunge with those folks. But, you know, the cold plunge uh, causes your adrenal glands to release a bunch of, um, of adrenaline. And that's basically the concern is that, uh, you know, adrenaline is a vasoconstrictor, so the blood vessels constrict, and it, there's probably a transient increase in, in blood pressure. And, but it's so short-lived. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if anybody that's ever done this, you go, Whoa! and you get that shock, and then it really kind of goes away. And you feel, when you get out of the cold 
uh, plunge, you feel like a million bucks. Yeah. So if you survive it, oh, you yeah. feel good. Hey, I, I will. I will add this too, though. I think what, what a lot of people forget is when they're in those hot saunas, mixing the alcohol because alcohol is going to dehydrate you mm-hmm. also. So if you're sweating, sweating a lot, and you get dehydrated from alcohol, that's going to be a problematic. Yeah, certainly. and uh, you know, it probably uh, alcohol decreases. The rapidity that your autonomic nervous system is going to uh, uh, adjust to changes in cold and heat, and you may not be regulating your heat very well. I I, I do think uh, getting hammered and either using hot tubs, saunas, um, or any sort of extreme temperature thing, jumping in Lake Michigan when it's cold, I think that you are increasing your risk. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're dooming yourself to a bad outcome, but this whole life that we're in is all about mitigating risk. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you're increasing. I I do think you're increasing your risk. Uh, They they looked at um, uh, the. Did I talk about the Canadians? Mm -hmm. They they looked at yeah. None of them had uh, chest pain, abnormal heart rhythms, EKG changes uh, with either kind of stress, either the sauna or the other. And uh, they showed impaired blood flow to the heart muscles of most patients, but the sauna-induced changes were milder than exercise-induced abnormalities. So, in other words, uh, you know, when you're uh, opening up all your blood vessels, you're going to draw blood away from the heart tissue, but it doesn't seem to be clinically relevant. Um, the, these guys conclude that saunas are safe for patients with stable coronary artery disease, and uh, they even did a study in Japan that said two weeks of daily saunas may even improve vascular function in patients with mildly damaged hearts that cannot pump blood normally. Uh, and that's called stable heart failure. But again, those people are not drinking at the same time. So um, the recommendation is check with your doctor before using saunas. So that's always a good thing. That's, and, you know, I, I, I can't tell you it's okay. I have to tell you, I, you don't even know if I have a medical degree. Just check with your doctor. But that's the information that I've got about saunas. Let's, All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Steve. Well, well I got you on here since... Um, since this is just a podcast and we can do whatever we want, let's do cold plunge and see uh, if if there's any data on that at all. So, okay, polar bear plunges, are they good for you? This is from CNN, so that, that very awesome uh, medical journal, CNN. <laughs> and let's see, you get a rush because there's so many people doing it. Okay, come on. Yeah, this is the problem with CNN. You know, they have to give you all this sort of uh, human interest stuff at the beginning. Okay, so people who are at high risk for heart disease, blood vessels in the heart can constrict. We just talked about that, leading to chest pains and angina or heart attacks. So I think, again, the the answer is if you uh, have either stable heart disease or no heart disease at all, the risk to you is probably... Uh, pretty minimal. If you have a heart condition, you've got to talk to your primary care or your cardiologist before doing anything like this. How's that? Is that a good enough uh, um, uh, um, disclaimer? Cover your I've ass. done it and I'm yeah. alive. Yeah. So. Yes. Okay, man. All right. Hang in there, buddy, and be careful and uh, go easy on the drinking and the extreme temperatures. That's all. Yeah, it's 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 never in excess. It's it's uh, okay. It's just you know a couple drinks. So you well, know. 
But uh, I'd like to formally uh, invite Lady Diagnosis and Casey out to the sauna uh, here in Wyoming. (laughs) They would love to do it. I will come there. You are a wise man. We could could actually, and uh, you wouldn't mind having Dr. Smith there either, to be honest with you. And (laughs) what we ought to do, um, we should get you guys out there to this guy's sauna, and then we'll do blood pressures and stuff. (gasps) We'll do naked blood pressures. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Before and and after. And uh, yeah. Wine with wine. Before wine, after wine. All right, man. Nice try. All right, thank you. Okay, I'll see you. <laughs> All right, we've got one more. Let's see here. Keith in Florida, area code 603. You're on Weird Medicine. Hey, what's up, Doc? Steve, how you doing? Hey, man, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. What's up? So uh, I want to call in and talk to you and, uh, and hopefully Dr. Uh, Scott, too, because uh, you may have different uh, opinions on, on uh, the subject, but... Um, down here where I live, um, there's been like an explosion of all these uh, bars that are serving uh, Kratom and mm. also Kava. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah. They're just like everywhere. People are just drinking it like crazy. And, of course, you read stuff in the uh, news. They're talking about banning Kratom and all sorts of stuff. And yep. Depending on what you read, it's either the best thing in the planet or it's the worst thing for you. I kind of want right. to get your guys' opinion of <clears throat> what you guys thought of it. I think neither one of those things is true. I think... Uh, kratom or kratom, however you want to pronounce it, is a very interesting molecule. Is it a drink or a food or what is it? Well, it's a plant and it is an alkaloid, but it also, you know, agonizes opioid receptors and has other effects as well. So Mm. there are people that use it to get off of, uh, say, OxyContin if they're addicted to it. But the, the thing I don't like about that is because they're practicing medicine without a license on themselves. And so, you know, the, uh, the client who has, or the lawyer who has himself for a client, what is it? The uh, the the um, defendant who has himself as an attorney is has a fool for a client, mm-hmm. however that goes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's the same thing is that the uh, person who's treating himself, him or herself, uh, has a uh, fool for a doctor or a, or a patient or however it goes. Fuck, I don't know. Anyway. But anyway, it's um, uh, I, I, I don't like sort of um, street street medicine. And uh, even uh, Dr. Scott's thing, you know, he does what we call alternative medicine, but he went to school for four years to learn how to do it correctly so he's not harming people and he's helping people the best way he can. And uh, Kratom is um, fascinating, needs to be studied, absolutely. The NIH needs to study it. If if it would be something that we could use in uh, pain management uh, that somehow would be safer than opioids, we need to know that. If it's not safer than opioids, we definitely need to know that so we can tell people to quit screwing around with it. Uh, if it would help people get off opioids or if we could change the molecule a little bit like we do with other molecules to make it more effective with less adverse effects. And sell the shit out of it. And sell the shit out of it. I'm, in, I'm all in favor of it. Hell yeah. But uh, until then, uh, I have to counsel people that I, I'm not ready to endorse it in any way. Because there, there are adverse events. You can Google them. There's all kinds of people who have We don't know what the overdose numbers are. We know nothing. You know, we know nothing about it. LD50, no. the, lethal, the lethal dose that will kill 50% of people. We don't know that. We should know that for every drug. So um, it's uh, we know it for caffeine. We don't know it for kratom. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, yeah. that's, that's my, my problem with it. I think lots of 
research needs to be poured into this because it's very, very interesting uh, drug. But uh, I don't think that um, we should be serving it in a bar somewhere. No, hell no. You know, but that's just my opinion. Terrible idea. What in my you know opinions are like assholes or earlobes. I was going to say earlobes, but Doctor Scott is (laughs) an asshole. (laughs) But anyway, uh, and then Kava's. They're uh, they're. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to talk about Kava for a second. Okay. Um, well, the, the both Kratom and, and Kava, uh, they're they're just like everywhere. Diana. Like literally, there's you know strips where there's like bars and stuff, like regular normal bars, and on that strip will be ten, fifteen, just specifically Kratom and Kava bars. You know? wow. And it's like they're just everywhere. And then, and and I've gone to a few of them and I tried it, and it definitely affects you. Um, yeah. There's no doubt about oh, yeah. it. Um, I'd like to know more about and, their experience. Um, do, you know, doing that, they've got a. Well, you know, they, they've got a big cohort of people that are using this stuff. You know, you could do some use that cohort of people that go to those bars and get some get some data off of them. You know, how many of them yeah. now are craving it, if any? I do know that in concentrated form, uh, people have been uh, documented to get a quote unquote addicted to kratom. Um, and, yeah, you know, so so I am very interested in it. I would really be interested in their experience down there. Uh, as far as the population of people that are going there and if there are any problem kratom users like there are problem drinkers in this country, you know, the people that run the bars in this country know who all the problem people are. You know, after after you after five beers. Yeah, right. Yeah. Taste. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. All right. Hey, so, I'm, I so yeah, sh- if you could talk about the kava too, that'd be great because I'm just kind of curious on that because I guess it's a whole different um, mm-hmm. You know, plant, I guess, or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. Whatever um, you know about that, that would be great, too. Well, Dr. Scott would be, do you guys use kava in traditional Chinese medicine? We don't. Okay. We don't. We've, we've got other herbs that work, we feel are better. Of course, you know, kava's been used for forever, for many, 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 many years. And, you know, I think the big difference between the two is it's not, it doesn't work on the, uh, you know, the opiate receptors in the brain. So I think it's probably safer. Jeez, dude, you know, what's going on there? It's not me. Um, me. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm kind of near an airport. Okay. There was a 2009 study that showed that kava was safe and effective for short-term treatment of anxiety, but uh, I'm not aware of any long-term studies that. No, and uh, it never will be because they they can't make enough money on it. But I think if you if you're doing comparison, though, I think the kava is profoundly safer as far as what we know, and, and and. yeah, I do know. As far as having side effects, yeah, kava has been banned in some countries yeah. because there were uh, episodes of liver damage and liver failure linked to its use. So mm-hmm. uh, it's not been banned in the United States, but it, the use in the United States has decreased significantly sure. since the FDA issued a warning uh, about it in 2002. So that was like 14 years ago, and uh, well, not longer than that, even 15, 16 years ago, and uh, you know. Those things kind of fade into the past when people don't pay attention to them. And it really is dose-dependent, too. So, you know, the amount that they're putting in this stuff could be so low that it's not an issue. But I would, again, as we talked about with the last guy, it's not that taking kava is going to doom you to liver failure, but there is some indication that it may increase your risk, and that's, you know, it's all about risk. All right. Great. Thank you, man. We'll do some more research, man. We'll see if we can come up with something intelligent to say on that. Okay. Okay, buddy. Thanks. All right. Okay, I'll see you. All right. We'll see you. Thanks.
I've tried kava before. It's yeah. not pleasant at it's all. It's a peppery really? type yeah, thing, right? I, I it had the very mud, mudish kind of, I don't know. Well, I've taken it in pill form before. Oh, I've had, it's very common amongst like the South Pacific region. Really? So they, it's like a, it's a like a glass of wine for yeah, them. They, you know? they make like a community bowl and there's like a little yeah. thing and hmm. everybody drinks it. Well, and, and see, that's the thing. Coca leaves, same way. Mm-hmm. That's been used by indigenous people for thousands and thousands of years. What we do in the West is we take it and we take out the one thing and then we concentrate it and make it into pill form or powder and then ruin it. Because coca leaves are probably fine. Mm-hmm. You know, putting a little coca in your Coca-Cola, which they used to do, mm-hmm. is probably <laughs> totally fine. And then people have to, we have to ruin it. You know, it's like uh, fish oil. Turns out people who eat fish have fewer heart attacks. So what do we do in the so. West? We take these fish and we dump them all in a vat and render them oh, down to uh, this oil that we can then put in a pill form and take it and think we're doing something. You're supposed to eat the fish. Because then you're not eating other things. So anyway. All right. Yeah, I'm looking at kava. Beverage or extract made from Piper mysticium, a plant native to the Western Pacific Islands. Very good, uh, Dr. Dr. Smith. Smith. She's on a roll. Um, the name kava comes from the Polynesian word awa, which means bitter. Just like you said, it was kind of bitter. Well, they use it for migraines, depression. Depression, yeah, yep. for sure. In yeah. the South Cancer Pacific, prevention. kava is a Headaches. popular social drink similar to alcohol in Western societies. Mm-hmm. Epilepsy. Safety concerns about kava, c- cases of liver damage, and even some deaths have been traced to kava use. I'll bet you 20 bucks it was concentrated kava in a pill form. But anyway, but I'm just saying that. I don't know. Interesting. Okay, well, let's get out of here. Thanks uh, to Dr. Scott, Lady Diagnosis, Dr. Smith, the lovely Dr. Smith, and the even more lovely Major Porn Stash. Thank you all for coming. <laughs> Can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, Eric Nagel, Roland Campos, Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Ron Bennington, and Fez Watley, whose early support of this show has never gone unappreciated. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. We can do it. You want to do it? <clears throat> we can do it. Can you guys sing? <laughs> Dave? No. I can't no. sing. Well, feel free to jump in. No. I've uh, decided that doing the music, I've got these friends that do a podcast and they put all the bullshit stuff at the after the end credits of their show. That's what we need to start doing. So that's a good idea. He's a bullshit. All right, are you ready? Let me see. I'm about as ready as I'll ever be. I could share.